We are digital nomads. We work anywhere. We're not limited by location. We're not limited by self-belief. We are works in progress. I'm Beck Power, and this is the Nomad Me Podcast. Today I get to to Eric Rosenberg, who replaced his high-paid corporate finance salary with his personal finance blog. We also deep dive into credit cards, airpoints, all that sort of stuff. Let's do this. All right. Welcome to Eric Rosenberg. How are you doing, man? I am doing wonderful, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Um, all right. Let's, let's start with you introducing yourself, because uh, we haven't met. I don't know too much about you. Tell Absolutely. us what you're doing and, uh, and, and how you're doing it right now. Yeah, sure. So as you got, my name's Eric Rosenberg. I have a long time background in finance. So I went to college, got a finance degree, worked at a bank for a while, went to grad school, got another finance degree, worked in corporate finance and accounting for about 10 years. So I lived in uh, what I called gray cubicle land. It's not a very exciting place, but it's a very familiar place to a lot of people. Um, And I escaped that land two years ago, but it didn't happen overnight. I was not an overnight success by any means. I actually started blogging about personal finance in 2008. I started my first blog in 2006. So I'm like a dinosaur in blogger years. Wow, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I started that personal finance blog right after I left working in a bank when I realized I had all of this money knowledge. Like I was literally the guy who approved mortgage loans. So I had all this knowledge on credit scores and credit reports and things a lot of people think are kind of scary dealing with their money and, and that finance degree I'd earned. So I thought, you know, I'm going to start a blog about this. And I was reading other personal finance blogs. Um, it was, it's funny, it was that they were actually mostly by female bloggers. I had a little bit of a blogger crush thing going on mm-hmm. back then. <laughs> and uh, but I thought, you know, if these girls could do it, I could do it too. And I started my blog. And it all grew from there. I, I started getting involved in different online communities. I've gone to a conference every year since its founding called FinCon. That's a financial blogging and media conference. And without that, I definitely would not be where I am today. Because so I started going to FinCon. You know, it's like a chicken and an egg thing. I started the blog, and that led me to FinCon. But going to this conference, I started to meet other bloggers and then companies who were saying to me, you know, Eric, we like what you're writing. You're doing great stuff. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. That's just what they were telling me. But they said, you know, we like what you're doing. Will you write for our site? We'll pay you, and, and your site posts can go up there. We might even be able to link back to your site every once in a while. I thought, well, heck yeah, pay me and I'll write whatever you want. That's amazing. I can do it on evenings. I can do it on weekends. So that was all extra side hustle income on top of my finance job, which as a senior financial analyst, when I left my job, it's not like I was poorly paid, Mm. but I wanted to pay off student loans, which I did in two years. I wanted to save to buy a home, which I'm in my third home I've owned now. So side hustling and freelancing was a huge part in getting there. But then that, you know, of course, the big milestone was two years ago when I was able to leave my day job and go online, hopefully for good. It's been um, two years this month since I quit my job. So, uh, so far, so good. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And so you quit your job and your your income now is just mainly writing or? It's primarily freelance writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually do income reports at personalprofitability.com if you're curious how it all breaks down. Uh, I'd say you know, 90 or more percent of my income is freelance writing, mm. which I wouldn't have without my own personal finance blog. So 
even though that doesn't make as much money directly, it's, it's definitely been a big part of my journey to freelancing. Yeah. I didn't realize when I started, I was writing a new resume for a new career path that I didn't even know I wanted. I mean, how many of us would have thought when we were kids, when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And people said fireman or policeman or astronaut or something. No one said they wanted to be a blogger when they grew up because it yeah. didn't exist. Um, so, you know, we've created this profession, which is which was a pretty cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, I love it. And you're, uh, you're in California. You live in California. You own multiple houses now or you've been selling them? Yes, I, I only own one house now, the one oh. I live in. It, uh, I've, I've owned a, I owned a condo in Denver. That's where I um, actually met my wife and I grew up in Denver. And then we moved to Portland. We were there for about two and a half years. And Portland is an awesome, fun city, but it wasn't right for us forever. It, w- it was just a, a, for a couple of years home. And our daughter, our first daughter was born there. And that's when we decided... Um, we should live closer to family. So we were debating, do we go back to Denver or where, you know, it snows and gets cold? Or do we go to Southern California by the beach where my in-laws are? And the beach definitely won. So it was, I think that was a good long-term decision. This weather here, you can't beat it. I'm never going to scrape ice off my car again if I can help it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that definitely doesn't sound fun. It's not something I've ever had to deal with. Um, I can't believe people have to do that every day. Yeah, the last week I lived in Denver before we moved to Portland, one morning I walked the dogs and it was minus 14 Fahrenheit. <laughs> so in Celsius, that's like, I don't know, like zero, it's well below zero. Even the dogs are like, no thanks, we're good. Yeah, we had to put special booties on them. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't go to the bathroom outside normally because it was too cold. They like would do a quick pee and want to go back inside. And I mean, you can't get mad at them for pooping in the house when it's you know minus 14 degrees outside. I wouldn't want to be out in that either. No. <laughs> um, well, uh, I want to ask you about credit card. Uh, hack- what, what is it? My flight hacking using credit card? Yeah, travel hacking. Travel That's hacking. the term I use most for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if you know, I actually run Nomad Fly, which is a, uh, a site teaching people how to save money on flights. Uh, but because I'm not American and neither are a lot of the people who are in my group, um, we have to find other ways to do it, like breaking up your flights into different legs and like finding cheap routes and, and different things. And we should, Americans do all that stuff too. We just have an extra bonus um, that most people in other countries don't get, which makes me sad for everyone else. I wish everyone got this. Yeah. Canada is just starting to get some better travel rewards cards. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think we're going to see it grow because uh, it's a great model here that's working in the U.S. But yeah, so I've been travel hacking for, I'd say, I don't know, about as long as I've been blogging. It was a little after I first came across it really from Chris Gillibo, the guy from the Art of Nonconformity and World mm-hmm. Domination Summit. I've met Chris. He's an awesome guy. Um, and all of his books are great. He's just awesome. <laughs> so I learned about uh, travel hacking from him. He had a group called the Travel Hacking Cartel, which I think is still out there. I was a member yeah. for a little bit. And that you know, helped you. Um, it, it sent out notices on the best credit cards to get and deals you should sign up for, ways to really quickly accumulate miles and points. But I was always really nervous about you know, opening up credit cards because you're growing up. I grew up in a relatively financially conservative household where we knew credit card debt was a bad thing. And you're going to business school and running a bank. I saw the bad credit cards could do. So I I treaded very lightly at first, but now I actually have 14 credit cards open right now. Um, So 
I, I'm serious. And I, and I haven't even really gotten my wife fully going, which I keep talking about with some other travel hacker friends. <laughs> but the base, I'll tell you about the first travel hack I did, the first one that I consider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a, a British Airways Visa card from Chase Bank, which is still out there. Um, Americans can still get it. And that card came with a sign-up bonus that led to 100,000, what are now Avios or miles for British Airways. And I didn't know at the time that flying across the ocean into Heathrow means you pay lots and lots of fuel surcharges and fees. So it wasn't really a free flight when I cashed it in the first time. But I did throw in a couple fun travel hacker tricks. So it ended up being about $400 um, US for the ticket. And that was for a flight. I did an open jaw and stopover. So I, for, we got a one way. I went with one friend who was able to come with and join me on. It was about a two week trip. Uh, we went Denver to London, had a five day changing planes time. That was our uh, stopover. So I got to really enjoy London and you know, go went, went out to uh, the ministry of sound and, you know, got my dance on, you know, the, the good important London things. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, flew to Paris from there on that same ticket, which that was my first time to Paris. And um, I actually enjoyed my second time to Paris a lot more than my first time. If you're going to Paris, my big advice is to bring a baby because then they'll let you skip all the lines and everyone will be really nice to you, even <laughs> if you don't speak French. So like, I speak Spanish, I speak English, I speak a little Hebrew, I don't speak French. Don't hold it against me, France. <laughs> but um, had a nice time in Paris, then took a train up to Amsterdam I was there for five days and, you know, I don't know if I did Amsterdam or Amsterdam did me. I came home sick, (laughs) (laughs) but it was fun. And uh, yeah, then the flights home were um, Amsterdam, London to Denver. So $200 each way, essentially for a one way from Denver to Paris and then a one way from Amsterdam back to Denver. Well, let's just break this down a little bit for people who are new to um, airports. I have a few American friends who don't have any credit cards and don't know what they're doing in that arena. When you um, when you book a flight, there's a fare, and then there's taxes and fees on top of the fare. And and, and most times, um, when you redeem your your um, air points, they're valid for the fare only, right? It's, uh, it depends because. It depends on the airline. There's a lot of different factors. So like if you're flying domestic within the United States, I've, I flow, fly a lot on Southwest because they're just a fun airline and they're easy and lots of easy miles to get for them. Uh, so with Southwest, if I fly, it's going to be $11.20 round trip in taxes. Mm. Um, that's a, a TSA, it's a security tax essentially. Um, and that every single plane that lands and takes off in the U.S. has that, I like guess, five dollar and sixty cent fee per flight. So that's how eleven dollars and twenty cents comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're flying internationally or you know, on other airlines, that might work a little different. So like I'd mentioned with British Airways, if you fly, I, I imagine it's similar if you fly from Asia. But if you fly from the U.S. or Canada into Heathrow. They just nail you with all of these taxes and fees. And yeah, your points and miles do not get rid of those. Um, but what's really cool, like I took a trip two years ago, I guess three years ago now, to Spain and Portugal with my wife, who was then pregnant with our daughter. So it was like three tickets for two, right? <laughs> <laughs> she flew baby, uh, belly class. Um, yeah. For that flight, you know, I looked at options that might have taken us through London, but found uh, better options that went through for the way home 
through uh, Philadelphia. So we, we had to go one way through London and the other way we didn't have to go through London. And the difference in price was it was hundreds of dollars per ticket mm. um, and fees or per direction just because we were going through London. So big travel hacker trick, avoid going through London, even though it's like the gateway to Europe, essentially for a lot of airlines yeah. um, or, or Frankfurt. But you know, they don't charge the same fees if you're flying through uh, Lufthansa or, or an airline that goes through there. So you yeah. know, I always have to be uh, creative and check multiple routes and options before I book. Definitely. My, my gateway into Europe is mostly Germany nowadays. It's a lot cheaper. Yeah, and that's that's I've, that's how I went. The only time I've ever been to Germany was changing planes in Frankfurt. I just made it a longer um, layover. So, well, I was really hoping I could go get one of those beer boots, like you see in the movies. That's but apparently, those are only in Munich. Like you have to go to southern Germany for that. I didn't realize Frankfurt um, does not believe in the beer boot. So, I went home bootless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if you have. Um... If you've traveled that much, you must have a lot of air points saved up. How many have you got saved up right now? Um, I have over half a million points in the bank right now. Uh, and those are mostly from credit cards, not from traveling. Because mm. one, one of the tricks is you know, if, if you're flying a lot for business, let's say, and your company is paying for it, then you're going to earn all those miles because you're just flying a lot, traveling a lot. You don't have to travel to earn miles and points. And with most mile and point earning credit cards, you'll earn anywhere from one point per dollar you spend up to maybe five points per dollar. Um, so you know, I actually, the reason I have so many credit cards is at different stores, I'll pull a different card out that might give me more points based on where I am. Like I use uh, my Amex Everyday Preferred card at the grocery store because I get three points per dollar there. Uh, but if I go to a restaurant, I'll use my Chase Sapphire Preferred because the MX would only give me one point and the Sapphire gives me two. So, and there's an even a better one, the Chase Sapphire Reserve that would give you three points per dollar, but has a higher annual fee. So I haven't, I haven't jumped into that one yet. So tell me this, and you may not be able to, um, uh, it's a little bit meta for you maybe, but I can't, my brain just cannot, I, my, I have the opposite brain of you. <laughs> <laughs> It can't deal with like numbers or or like any of like I just can't. So if I have a credit card and I have all these different credit cards and I'm trying to figure out which like when you're just like this one gets you two points, this one gets you one point. Like how do you even? I mean, obviously your brain is different than mine, but <laughs> is there is there a, an app or a or some method that you use to track which of these things and ha which card to use and all that sort of thing? Um, yeah, there's a few apps actually that could help with this. There's a site called Birch Finance that will um, it doesn't help you as much in advance, but if you use the wrong card, it'll send you an email every week. So I get an email like you missed 75 cents worth of points because you used the wrong card. I'm like, ah, <laughs> um, but uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I really advise most people keep it simpler than I do. Um, you know, having maybe three or four of your favorite cards uh, available rather than your favorite dozen is, is probably a good idea. Um, there's also, you know, I, I really lean a lot on a, a bunch of different websites. You know, I'm, I'm also a travel writer as part of my freelancing, so uh, and oh. credit card writer. But I looked to a few specific sites that I really love. One is the Points Guy. And I think the Points Guy has an app also. And, I, um, and he's just an awesome guy and his writers are awesome. And that is 
probably my number one place I'd go if I were going to open up a new card to try to figure out what card to open. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another site I love called The Frequent Miler. Um, that's a, he's in a group of sites called Boarding Area. But I just I like his site a lot, and I actually subscribe. I get all of his posts by email. That's the only blog I do that. So I want to know every deal right as it comes out because sometimes if you act quick, you might be able to get 10,000 points or something. That's almost half a flight. So um, you know, so I, I always try to keep up with the news and what's going on there. Um, there's, but there's, there's tons of great resources out there and there's no limit. Uh, one site that I use, you know, tr- keep everything straight in your head for right. people who are not big numbers and spreadsheets people. There's a site called Award Wallet. And it's like if you use something like mint.com or personal capital or any of those budgeting apps that help track your money, it's like that except for airline points and miles and hotel points. You can load in all of your airline and hotel accounts except for a few airlines that aren't nice and block the app. I'm talking to you, United. Reopen that app. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but with that, I can log in with one login, click one button, and it'll update all of my mile and point balances and expiration dates and give them to me in one dashboard. So I always know what I have pretty quickly. Cool. Um, as far as uh, building, uh, building credit, enough credit to get all those credit cards, uh, for people who have no credit, how do they get started? Yeah. So if you have no credit at all, you're not going to be able to just go and get like a Chase Sapphire preferred card. And that's, you know, speaking mostly to younger people or new immigrants who have no credit background um, in, on the U.S. credit system. So there's a couple ways to start. If you're a student or a younger person, there's a whole bunch of college and student-focused cards. Any of those is a great way to start because essentially what you're just trying to do is establish a credit score. Uh, for people who have bad credit, like you made some mistakes and, and boo-boos in the past, maybe you missed some bills, uh, secured credit cards are an option to rebuild your credit. Just be very careful with the fees and the interest rates there. You know, with any of this, pay off your balances in full every month. If you don't, your interest costs are going to be more than the free flights you get. Uh, so be careful there. Um, anytime you go do anything where you're getting a lot with, uh, where you're messing around with your money and your finances and your credit, you know, plan it all out. Don't uh, just dive in and start. You know, put a few steps in order so um, so you don't overwhelm yourself or, or make any expensive mistakes. Yeah, cool, good advice. Um, going back to, you said you tra- you do travel writing. How did you get those travel writing gigs? Yeah, so um, most of them actually came because of finance writing. I guess I've written for um, a handful of sites in, in finance. So if you Google me, I'm very Googleable out there. And uh, some there, there's one platform I write on quite a bit called Contently. And my first travel writing articles actually came through Contently, where I normally write for finance clients. So um, there was an editor I was working with who worked on a range of different topics, including finance and travel. They said, hey, we, we need someone for uh, for this travel article on the Oregon area when I lived in Portland. So I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, I can write a guide for someone coming to Portland. So I haven't written a ton on travel, not as much as credit cards or finance, but mm-hmm. I love writing about travel because I love traveling. It's If you couldn't tell, I'm passionate about it. I get excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It's great. 
Um, do you have any advice for someone who wants to start being a writer, like being a writer, maybe not on the finance side of things and maybe yeah. not travel just for finding new gigs and getting started? Yeah. Uh, don't ask permission. That's rule one. Just start. Like I said a few minutes ago, when I started my blog, I didn't realize I was writing a resume for a new career path. But that, that's essentially what a anyone who's going to hire you to write is going to want to see at least some portfolio and some background. Mm -hmm. And I find that writing like anything else, you get better by practicing, by just doing it more. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you're interested and you don't have a background in you know, in journalism or writing that would get you into the industry that way. I would just start a blog about something that you are really passionate about that other people would also share a passion for. You know, if you're writing about something like um, competitive duck herding, which is a thing, you're probably not going to get a ton of readers because there's not that many people into competitive duck herding. Sorry, duck herders. You're just, you're a minority. Where If you write about something you know, like travel or money or lifestyle or dating or cooking. You know, there's all these topics that are pretty universal mm -hmm. that anybody could enjoy. Um, so, so I'd pick something more like that, that you would have a wider potential audience. But don't be so general because then no one will notice you. You know, pick a niche within that topic um, that you get excited about and try to become the expert in that online. And you can show that you're the expert in that by writing about it. You know, maybe you do a couple YouTube videos or whatever your thing is. Maybe start a podcast, mm -hmm. but also write and, and get that practice, get better, hone your skill. And once you have that portfolio, then you can start reaching out. There's a, there's a handful of different platforms for entry level online, uh, places like Upwork or freelance.com or Fiverr. You know, the benefit of those is it's an easy way to get hired. The downside is you're competing with people and, India and the Philippines who will work for a lot less than you probably want if you're a native English speaker. But getting that, you know, it's worth getting paid less in the beginning just to get established. You know, you don't want to do that forever. You don't want to work for free. You know, if you're writing for free, at least do it on your own site. Mm. Um, but and don't work for exposure. There was a thing a while back where I think it was Huffington Post was like, we can't pay you, but we'll give you exposure. And um, the big response from the writers was, well, I can't pay my rent with exposure. Uh, so, you know, get paid. You're worth it. If you speak English and can write at at least a high school level, mm -hmm. um, you, you should be able to find some paying writing gig. And from there, you know, it's, there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of, uh, for me, the thing that's really led to my biggest financial success is, is going to that conference every year, going to FinCon and meeting my potential clients in person. So I know when I go to that conference, there will be companies there that want to hire someone with my exact skill set. Mm -hmm. So I put myself right in front of them. So you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And even if it's a side hustle, don't have imposter syndrome. You know, don't be afraid. There, there's no one out there who will who has the right to just anoint someone an expert in something. You know, it's not like the queen knighting somebody. You, if you say you know it and you can prove it, then you know it. And that's what it really takes. I love it. That's a really good quote. There's no one out there that can just anoint someone an expert. Okay, maybe Seth, maybe Seth Godin. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Seth. Um, oh, freaking, I forgot I was just going to, I'll have to come back to it. 
Dang it. It was good. It was a good question. But so I got you I got you early morning. I know you I, did. <laughs> I, I won't hold it against you. You did. It's gone. Um, the, you, you said that great quote, and then I lost it. I don't know what to tell you. Um, should we start with the quick fire round? I'm a little nervous, but I'm also a little excited. Yeah. No. Let, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's hear um, uh, your favorite book and then your favorite blog. My favorite book is The Alchemist by Paulo Colo. And my favorite blog... Um, Right now, I'd say the frequent miler because it helps me travel for free. <laughs> Love it. Um, what's an app? The app that you use most on your phone, and um, probably a non-mainstream one. It's like not Gmail <laughs> or Google Calendar. Um, I'd say uh, probably lately there's been a new one that's gone up on my list called Clarity Money. It's a um, it's a personal finance management app similar to mint.com or personal capital, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, it actually was just bought by Goldman Sachs. So I'm hoping they don't like incorporate it and close it, which a lot of that happens when things get acquired. Uh, Cause I really like clarity money and it's simple and it just works. Oh, cool. Um, what is the next place that you're traveling to? Do you have a trip planned? Um, I have a trip planned to Chicago for my cousin's wedding in July. And I won't be coming home from there. I'm going straight from there to Philadelphia for mm. Podcast Movement, which is a podcaster's conference. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. I'll be going for my third year. Nice. Yeah. And I actually also run a speaking event there, which I, I don't want to derail your, your speed round, but I'm happy to talk about that too if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that does sound cool. Let's hear about it real quick. What is it? Yeah, so uh, the speaking event's called Ignite podcast movement which there's ignite speaking events all around the world they're kind of like ted talks on speed that's the way i think about it mm -hmm. every speaker gets exactly five minutes you have to, you have to have 20 slides on a 15 second auto advance so ready or not next slide comes and if you don't like a speaker it's all right just wait four and a half minutes and the next one will be up and it's high energy and super fun and there's drink tickets so you know, how can you beat that? <laughs> that sounds really fun. I would be up for that. That sounds cool. Um, what is a passion project that you uh, you have, you're working on? Um, lately, it's been my yard. I actually just this weekend built planter boxes for my wife to have a garden because I'd promised her that on Valentine's Day as a present and hadn't done it yet. So it took two months, but we're ready to go. We can plant anytime. It's ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Where can people, this is the last thing, where can people find you online and connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. So the best place to find me uh, to learn more on the personal finance and entrepreneurship front is personalprofitability.com. That's both a blog and a podcast. And I also want to give you guys a giveaway for listening and putting up with my voice until the end. If you go to personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp, I have a free week long series. You get an email every morning with a link to a video that's about 10 minutes long, uh, no strings attached with, to help you get started on your journey to personal profitability. Awesome. Is that um, the resources that you're given that, are those, is that mainly for US people? Um, most of the lessons would be applicable anywhere. I mentioned cool. a couple tools that might be US specific, like you might not be able to link a UK bank account into it, but 
Uh, most of what you'll hear there doesn't matter where you live. The lessons still work. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, you're the man. Thanks for jumping on the call with me this morning. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me this evening. Thanks for tuning in today. If you love Nomad Me, make sure to leave your good review on iTunes. Every week, I select a reviewer to win a lifetime Nomad Fly membership for free. All the show notes can be found at digitalnomad.me. See you tomorrow.